Silicon Valley Bank, for instance, when we were talking about that magnitude and how quickly it happened and why it happened now, why it didn't happen earlier and, and how quickly all of these things, that period of time of them selling bonds and, and kind of getting, getting cash out to uh, folks that were requesting money and outflow cash was a matter of a few weeks. Those losses wiped out profits for them for years. Yeah. So, like that's how significant in the magnitude in which what just happened. Top three collapses in U.S. history is what we just witnessed. Yeah. In a single month. Yeah, I was going to say it in a short, uh, short amount. So, Very like short fundamentally, amount. something is is off. Here we are, my friend. Just the start. Yeah, this is it. Boom. Okay. There it is. Start. Hey, how you doing? Good. What's your name? Hey, how you doing? We're not gonna go there today. Mm -hmm. No. Stay strangers. Yeah, and just dive right in. Dive right into what? Yeah. But Adam Rare. Adam. Adam Rarer. That's it, buddy. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Not much gets by you. You're doing great. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank yeah. You, man. A real sharp shooter. My name is. Mark. Okay. <laughs> Nighttime now and apparently not firing on all cylinders, huh, Mark? Me? Yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. Is that a question? Yeah, that was a oh, yeah. directed question. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm doing great. Thank you for asking, by the way. Yeah. We are uh, going to dive into a very interesting topic today about kind of the status of the economy what's going on with banks been a lot of banking stuff in the news lately which has been pretty gnarly to hear you hear some uh high level stuff and depending on kind of your news source uh kind of depends on like how big of a dive has been done into it and kind of the sides that have been portrayed but there's a lot of interesting backstory on what has happened what people think will happen um, so s something that's really relevant to to everyone, but especially being in the real estate sector, it's uh, it's something that has opened up a lot of questions and stuff that uh, over the next three months, six months, 12 months could have a big impact on what the next three, four, five years look like, maybe decade, who knows. But um, yeah, a lot of stuff to really unpack for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's been, uh, you know, devastating for, for banks, devastating for uh, some of the deposits, although the deposit holders, I guess, um, the, although the feds had come out recently and said they're going to essentially loan to some of these banks and, and secure those deposits, which historically have been unsecured. Yeah. I think a lot of people probably listening in today uh, recognize the magnitude, but others aren't recognizing how significant of an impact this is. Yeah. Like Silicon Valley Bank, uh, Signature Bank, yeah. were top three largest banks to collapse in U.S. history. Pretty crazy. Yeah. And, and Washington Mutual was number one. Yeah. And then Silicon Valley Bank and uh, Signature Bank. Yeah. So if you think about that, the magnitude of what just happened is significant. Yeah, and I don't think it's uh, gotten as much headlines. There are definitely headlines right when it happened, but mm -hmm. 
headlines, in my opinion, from what I've seen, not that I sit down and watch the news a ton. I read a lot more and I do watch the news, but it was really short-lived. Like you heard about it, it stayed around for a few days, a few weeks, and then kind of sort of fizzled away. And then I knew you had a, you have a big interest in all this and me and you started chatting some more, which made me kind of dig into things some more and it made me really realize there's a lot of stuff going on, continues to go on in the background that was never even touched when it was making the headlines. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's really, really interesting. The more, you, the more you dive into it, the more intriguing it kind of gets. Yeah, and we'll talk about this today, but we also feel that it's not over is kind of an important piece of that. Like you said, headlines were made and uh, big, let's say a big splash when you hear about like Silicon Valley Bank just all of a sudden basically being insolvent and unable to supply the cash that is being requested to be pulled out. Yeah. And uh, we feel that likely there's going to be more. And it's just sort of potentially the, the tip of the iceberg, which is what's so scary about it, what yeah. is, I'll say fascinating. Uh, you know, obviously it's, it's a scary situation and um, devastating for a lot of people, right? But also on the, on the flip side, if you look at it um, from an opportunity perspective, we'll talk about this, is if this is what potentially is happening and coming down the road and if there's more banks to come, how is that overall affecting the economy? And then in particular, how is that impacting real estate and what sort of opportunities are we going to be able to see it? To me, it starts to, at least through my life, the comparison starts to be back to like 2008, for instance, like when you started to see these banks collapse. And that was on a magnitude that, that we'd never seen before and hopefully never see again. I think fundamentally the way that uh, loans are lent out and, and banking system is is different today it changed a lot however you also almost feel like Silicon Valley Bank which is 18th largest in the US is almost untouchable in in some in some form or fashion they're not gonna go under like that it's gonna be something that might be years before something like that happens but it's not gonna be an overnight thing or at least it didn't it felt like kind of an overnight yeah. thing and it was very fast and so yeah we'll dive more into what the cause of it was um but yeah it was definitely not overnight there's a lot of stuff that led to it that if you were on the inside you definitely saw it coming people at the bank they had to see it coming for a decent while it was not until some of the stuff was made public and you started seeing a lot of people going in to pull out deposits is when things really accelerated. But up until that point, the writing was definitely on the wall for, had to be for a lot of execs at the bank and hires up that saw what was going on. And it was just, it was a matter of time. For this collapse you're talking about? Yeah. I don't know that anybody could predict what the feds did as far as interest yeah. rate hikes. And especially, so yeah, maybe we, we touch on kind of the background and, and kind of how we got here, right? Um, so I'll, I guess I'll can, I can start us off that it really started with uh, federal government printing an insane <laughs> amount of money, like an unprecedented amount of money during COVID. COVID yeah. There was rationale from them of what they were doing and why they were doing it. Um, but it, it starts there that they were printing a bunch of money. 
So from that, that money has to go somewhere. There aren't a ton of people that are stuffing billions of dollars in their house or like, you know, millions underneath their, <laughs> their, uh, their bed, for instance. And so that naturally kind of floods into the banking system. In some form or fashion, they saw their deposits increase substantially. So in the case of Silicon Valley Bank, they saw it, their deposits double in just over a year. Yeah, it's insane. Then it's not a small amount. We're talking billions of dollars, like over a hundred billion dollar basically difference. Yeah. So that magnitude of these deposits kind of flooding into banks, they were unable to loan out the money as quick as they were receiving it in. And so from that, they ended up uh, buying bonds. Uh, billions and billions of bonds, <laughs> Dollar, billions and billions of dollars of bonds. Yeah. And rationale there from them was the feds have communicated, blatantly communicated on their guidance and everything. Hey, we're not going to raise interest rates until 2024. And inflation alone is not going to be the driving factor of that. There's going to have to be a bunch of different pieces of it. And essentially, you're, you know, you're safe. Uh, from raising interest rates until 2024. Surprise, uh, <laughs> when you print that much money and there's that much flooding, if uh, that much money flooding into the overall economy, you start dealing with inflation. And at a record pace, combine that with the supply chain challenges that we were all dealing with. Uh, boats, you remember all of those boats being stuck out of Long Beach, you'd end up with like 100 boats lined up uh, just trying to get into the port, right? And that was just an, uh, you know, one of the ports. There were others that dealt with it, but we saw all those pictures, things in the news, all of that. But supply chain challenges just kind of across the board that everybody was reeling with. So you combine a ton of printed money, uh, inflation and supply chain challenges, and it drove inflation to record highs throughout US history. So if you look at the curves and, and the actual percentages, it would look higher in like 70s, 80s, but actually the way that we measure inflation today, it would be the highest in US history. Yeah. And so you look at that, uh, also the way that it rose was just substantial. And all of a sudden now, politically, you start to see a lot of pressure. Uh, Democrats started <laughs> to put a lot of pressure on the feds to be able to just tame inflation. Uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> a carton of eggs now is gonna cost me $10 <laughs> that yeah. cost me like $2, you know? Yeah. Part of that was a little bit of a, a bird flu, but yeah. nonetheless, it, it was things like that gas shot through the roof. Yeah. So um, all of those types of challenges, also a war going on in Ro Russia and Ukraine that starts to change some of the global economies of uh, energy and gas and things like that. So a lot of different factors played into overall inflation and supply chain challenges, things like that. But the key point is all of this money flooded in. They were buying bonds based on the idea that interest rates are not going to hike anytime soon, 2024. Surprise, they jacked up interest rates. Significantly. Significantly. Yeah. Uh, and quickly, very quickly. The fastest they've ever raised rates. Yeah. yeah in US history. history yeah. And so with that, when you jack up rates like that, the bonds end up basically being almost insolvent. You would show a massive loss 
from all of those bonds that they just bought uh, you know, within that 2020, 2021 period. I guess the, the other piece of this is they banks didn't have to show those losses essentially. So they didn't have to show those losses until they recognized the losses, meaning they sold the bonds. Um, why that's important is because essentially people were asking, why is this hitting the fan all of a sudden? Like, you could ask, hey, they've been buying bonds for a while. What's going on uh, today rather than a month ago, two months ago, even six months ago, right? Yeah. And really the answer was that the accounting principles, the way that they kind of changed the the accounting rules in a, in a certain way, but they basically didn't have to report those bond losses uh, until they sold the bonds. So <laughs> with that, they were showing on their uh, statements massive profit. Everything was looking good, really good. They were getting dumped a bunch of money in, a yeah. ton of deposits, yeah. and uh, and paying basically zero interest on it to uh, to people. Their your interest rate on like a checking account or a savings account <laughs> is like point zero zero one percent or whatever, right? Yeah, and so they were making a ton of money off off that spread however they bought all these bonds that they were underwater in and from that i guess most recently where that that started to come into play is big money like big companies big folks with a with a, a large amount of money started to recognize that hey i can pull my money and move it to like money market accounts or other investment vehicles and so they were starting to yank uh, large amounts of money from these these banks like Silicon Valley Bank and uh, you know push it towards something else. That money movement was so large that uh, some of these banks, these regional banks, had to sell off uh, those bonds. Yeah. So what did that do? It showed the loss yeah. that they were all holding, and it started to open the eyes of investors. It started to open the eyes of people that. Uh, had deposits at the bank, it started to recognize, oh shit, like this is kind of what's going on. I better pull my money out. So then it's that feeding frenzy, that scare of, oh, I may not be able to get my money. Uh, I remember what happened in 2008, like yeah. just all of that, this this fear. The run on the banks. Which makes this spiral downward. So now you're selling more bonds again, you're going back to liquidity. Uh, and the the issue continues to per perpetuate until it's a downward spiral. And in Silicon Valley's case, it, it was a deathward, yeah. a deathward spiral. It starts to snowball pretty quickly. Once people catch wind of other people pulling money out, and like you said, especially when big money is moving, moving money away and others start to catch on, it's a snowball that starts to happen really, really quick. It does. Yeah. The big fear syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. Like the fact that hey, uh, if I don't get it out before the next person, I may not have it, right? And so you start to hear and see uh, these things happening, uh, whether that's even people in Silicon Valley Bank or other regional banks, there's that fear that starts to spread and people start yanking their money and moving it to larger banks. Let's say like JP Morgan, for instance, saw a much larger uh, influx of cash, influx of deposits, because it felt like, oh, this bank is too big to fail sort of thing. Yeah. And so with that, 
even if it wasn't your bank, you're a regional bank and you start to become at risk, let's say, because of fear and concerns that might be coming your way. And I, I think that's a, it's, it's very fascinating to see this downfall, something that you think, hey, I'm protected as a bank. Hey, I'm gonna go buy bonds and, and should be safe. We shouldn't see the big uh, swing in interest rates. I'm, I'm safe, right? Um, and they weren't, right? Yeah. So what's uh, one thing that, chatting with you a little bit, that I was trying to understand more, a lot of depositors, like in Silicon Valley Bank, for example, had deposits larger than the 250, and then the Fed comes in and says, hey, we got you, we'll, we'll make sure to pay all that back. How how are they doing? They, they Yeah, that's an important piece. So kind of, hey, we're seeing these failures, and either the Fed, Fed had a big decision recently of, you either sort of let the economy uh, almost run itself and say, hey, like you kind of screwed up and these are unsecured and money's kind of out to a, cer- to a certain degree, which yeah. would be catastrophic for yeah. banking system, catastrophic for the companies that had their, their money in those banks, right? You yeah. could think of Silicon Valley Bank was notorious for funding um, startups, yeah. right? So they had a lot of money from like venture capital, for instance, and it would make payroll for a lot of those companies. Yeah, And their money got froze and it was tough for the few days or whatever that it was that, hey, we may not be able to access this money to pay our people. Yeah, uh, So that would be devastating. So what they came in and said is we will uh, essentially back those, that money. Uh, they will loan against those bonds that the portfolio of bonds uh, that these banks went and had purchased. And important piece of this is they will loan, they will recognize the value at what they bought it at. So why that's important is you can imagine what they bought it at was a heck of a lot higher than what it's worth today. So if they were doing it at, at present market value, it's down here, uh, well below what they bought it at. And so where that plays back into uh, inflation and the feds is that's essentially them printing money again. It's kind of a roundabout way, but they're providing money to these banks for a loan port or a bond portfolio that's not truly valued at that at present day. Pretty, so pretty crazy when you think about that, what, what you actually just said. It's uh, something unprecedented that's never, never happened before. Mm-hmm. It's pretty crazy. And it makes you wonder where that money comes from. So that, to me, ends up being, I guess, taxpayers, even though they, they don't necessarily communicate it in that way. But yeah. that's that's uh, kind of the way that the economy works and the way that the Fed has money in the first yeah. place, right? It potentially just leads to more and more inflation, potentially. It's exactly what it will lead to. Yeah. Uh, in our opinion, at least. It's been crazy to to watch this firsthand. So, like... In the case for Silicon Valley Bank, for instance, when we were talking about that magnitude and how quickly it happened and why it happened now, why it didn't happen earlier and and how quickly all of these things. So that period of time of them selling bonds and and kind of getting getting cash out to uh, folks that were requesting money and outflow cash was a matter of a few weeks. Those losses wiped out profits for them for years yeah 
So like that's how significant and the magnitude in which what just happened. Yeah. And considering uh, like you said a little bit ago, how profitable it, it appeared the banks were for the last few years. So that statement, how it wiped out profits for the last few years, that's a, that's a pretty significant number. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. What are your thoughts? Do you think we're going to see more, more banking collapses? Just going to ask you that. It's just such a gnarly time of what to do. Again, there's no precedent on, on what to do at all. So trying the best they can to tame inflation, tame other banks from not going under bank runs, stuff like that. But it's a, it's what you do. The more you start to dig in, the more you realize how, how big of a mess and how intertwined a lot of things are that you didn't really realize before, but how big of a mess we could potentially be in. We are in, we're starting to see the beginnings of it. It's a, I don't know, in, at least for me personally, my mind goes a hundred different ways the more I start to read into it. Because again, on the surface level, reading some of this stuff, it's like, okay, not, I don't want to say not that big of a deal because that bank was a large bank that went under, but sure. it's like, uh, okay, kind of went through this before 2008, saw it. But again, the more, based off some of the stuff you just mentioned, the more you read in, it's like, oh man, this is... Uh, maybe just the tip of the tip of the iceberg top three collapses in u.s history is what we just witnessed yeah in a single month yeah that's gonna say it in a short uh, short amount so very like short. fundamentally something is is off right yeah. and we just talked about what that something is yeah but unfortunately what at least i believe is that we haven't really fixed the problem which is naturally kind of the fact that you can still make more in money market accounts uh, or other investment vehicles. So money, into, it might slow based on, on what's kind of going on. So a lot of those banks are starting to offer higher interest rate returns basically on the money, like savings and checking, things like that. Issue there is now they're eating into what they saw as profits. When you raise those uh, those interest rates, you're cutting down your aggregate and in turn less profitable, in turn making it more of a challenge to kind of mm -hmm. continue with the uh, deposits and, and supporting your customers and all of those things. So if you continue to see money continue to move away from these banks, albeit it might be not as aggressive as fast based on the scare and the, the risks and all of those things, but it also only takes some level of communication, some level of fear that is that catalyst that says, shit, I got to pull my money out and I got to get it out today and I got to move it somewhere. Yeah, I think a underlying uh, issue is how many other banks are in the same position that Silicon Valley exactly. Bank is in. They just, uh, their cards were shown, like you said, they had more or less a run on deposits. They had to sell off a bunch of those bonds drove their stock price down. Yeah, and that, that's and that, an important yeah, piece that, too. That's the whole right. thing. That's why banks don't want to do it because then their stock prices go down, which causes more concern, which is again, another potential case for a run on the bank. So mm -hmm. it's like, how many other banks are out there that went on the guidance of the Fed saying, hey, we're not going to raise rates until 2024 and bought up a bunch of bonds and are the, in the exact same position, but just haven't been exposed yet, you could say. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so based off like a, like we mentioned before, this is really intriguing to you, which you started talking to me more about it 
the more I read about it, the more intriguing it got to me. So um, I know you've done a deep dive on a lot of the stuff. So from some of the stuff you've researched and read, what do you think a potential solution is moving forward? For starters, uh, almost stopping the bleeding is, uh, <laughs> is going to be an important step. And to do that, you know, we just talked about the fact that money is still moving away from some of these regional banks, like big money moving out. And again, it's maybe not as aggressive at, at a pace, but it's still, you know, kind of migrating around. And like we just talked about, if there's any level of scare, any level of concern, it starts to move quicker. So the way in which that the Fed end up helping with some of this uh, or their decision, I think, ends up getting pushed to uh, essentially stop trying to, to tame inflation, uh, which is, you know, kind of a, a, a crazy and, and scary yeah. thought to a certain, yeah. Yeah. a certain degree. And with that would potentially be lowering rates, um, which again, drives higher interest rates yeah. or sorry, higher inflation, yeah. but the interest rates could, could drop. Uh, and that would essentially allow some of that, that benefit from the, you know, the bond perspective of that aggregate and, and the banks being able to be, you know, more solvent. But the problem, obviously the problems that that creates on the back end is, is significant. And it's either that or Fed essentially willingly watches these banks collapse and sit on the sideline and watch our banks collapse, which is kind of our infrastructure of our country yeah, in a yeah. lot of ways. Absolutely, yeah. And will it capsize everything? No. Would there be, and probably will there be, a consolidation of banks? I think so. So it's really dependent on, on kind of risk tolerance of a lot of those banks too. You know, like at Cherry Pick, for instance, we connected with all of our our banking institutions, all of our bankers that, that we work with and have money with and, and all that, you know, for cherry pick capital, along with our own personal stuff for the regional yeah. banks. Yeah. Cause some of those seem to be kind of in that same realm. It was something that, Hey, we, we should really make sure we're good and, and solidified. And, and, uh, all of them came back as completely fine, no issues, FDIC insured and also their risk tolerance is very different than what you'd see at like Silicon Valley Bank, for instance. Completely different, yeah. I, I think one of our banker contacts mentioned Silicon Valley Bank was 90% of their loans were unsecured and their unsecured portfolio, the bank that we were talking to, was somewhere around like 10%. Yeah. So like you said, their risk tolerance is com completely different. Night and day, Yeah. right? It, yeah. it is night and day. So that's an important piece from us. You saw all of a sudden, just making sure that we're we're secure and safe and all of those things. But you think about those trade-offs that we just talked about. The, the Fed just continues to jack up rates, and you continue to watch this downward spiral of banks, or you taper off rates, but you don't tame inflation. And that seems like the lesser of two evils, right? It's it's going to be interesting to see what they do and how it plays out. It's a uh... It's nuts. Yeah. And it goes back to them violently printing money. <laughs> violently. That's such a good word for it. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, anybody, please take all this yeah, money. Yeah. Let's yeah. Just it kind of got, got the, the numbers 
on all those different bills and whatnot that they're passing to help people out, sometimes you really lost the meaning of how much money they were printing. It was just asinine because you would, they would pass, I, I don't remember some of the names, they had passed something and it'd have that dollar figure with it. And you're like, that's a big number. And yeah. then they passed something else with another big dollar number. And like, oh, that's a big number. Kind of similar to this other one. And then you kind of lost the meaning of how big some of these packages were of money. That trillion dollars. Yeah. That, like, where do you get this money from? Where, where is it going? It was nuts. And then yeah. with all the other stuff going on, um, it kind of just got, not lost, but there's so much other stuff going on they were trying to figure out and whatnot that they're trying to do what they can at, at that time but now it's obviously creeping back up and it's like okay what you guys did during covid is a direct result of how more or less how we got here yeah 100 percent. and with the expectation i we're not going to raise rates we're not going to raise rates yeah. and uh oh we're not going to see a higher inflation because of this really <laughs> where do you think this money's going to go what do you what do you think this is going to happen? And then the fact that their communication to me threw off a lot of banks. You know, you can't speak on behalf of them. I can't speak on behalf of them. I don't know. But, you know, there was blatant comments from Powell and team that, hey, we're not going to raise interest rates until 2024. So that's the guidance to the banks. That's the information that they have. They're going to make a decision to go out and, and buy bonds and, and say, hey, we're safe. We're not going to see interest rate hikes for an extended period of time. And even on that, even if it's just a little bit, they're okay, right? But you raise rates the highest and fastest or the fastest in U.S. history, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be problems associated with that. challenges. Yeah. Whiplash. What do you think moving forward some potential opportunities are? I think it's going to expose a lot of opportunities. I think for starters, we're going to, if we're not in recession now, we're going, we're heading to one. Yeah. Uh, It just seems like it's coming. It might be, we're in uh, early April, 2023 right now recording this. And I think it might hit in, you know, Q2, Q3, we really might see some challenges. Challenges in the banking system may expedite that. So it's really going to be interesting over the next several months to see how things go and can they stabilize or is it a downward spiral to death? So I think that's an important catalyst to it. But I think with the uh, recession coming uh, and, and just in general with where we're at and in the interest rate environment that we're at, deals and opportunities are going to present themselves within real estate. Yeah. Uh, I think that's common. Yeah. Um, you and I were talking about the fact of a lot of real estate investors when they took on a loan, it might have been a bridge loan, meaning you know a short period of time thinking, hey, I'm just going to do this renovation and then uh, pull my money out and uh, get a long-term loan that might be, let's say, worst case at that point would be in the four and a half, five, five and a half, whatever that may be. But yeah. we're seeing over seven percent might be in the eights now in in, in some of the areas. I just refinanced a, a couple of houses and commercial loan, and it was eight eight and a quarter. So not to project that to see that 
a year ago and underwrite a deal in that way, pretty unlikely. Yeah, not likely whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so you would hope for that specific deal or, or, you know, for that property that you have enough meat on the bones to make it make sense. But if you don't, you're going to start seeing sales. You're going to start seeing people that could weather the storm for a little bit, but now just can't continue it. Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest opportunity out there is when investors went to underwrite properties, they didn't underwrite them and foresee 8% interest rates. And to take a step back, when you're getting a commercial loan, when I say commercial loan, that can be, it can be on a residential property too, but these commercial loans are through a lot of these regional banks where they're giving you like 20-year AMs um, and whatnot. And a lot of times that rate is fixed for five years, maybe 10 years, um, usually not any more than, than 10 years from our experience. Mm -hmm. There's always different programs out there and whatnot. So how cheap money was for so long, any any knucklehead could go out there and buy a property and, and make it work because for a while you're almost getting free money. You had rates down in like the 3% range. Yeah. So a lot of people are going out and getting really cheap mortgages, getting these deals. And then now fast forward, there's going to be a lot of loans that are starting to adjust because it's hit that five year mark or so. And they're starting to adjust to current rates. And like you just mentioned, not very many people, if any, would have underwritten to that where rates currently are. And I think that's going to have a huge effect on some of the mom and pa investors that only have a few rental properties. For guys that have quite a bit more, like for us, for example, interest rates suck, period. You never want to have interest rates in the, in the 8% range. Yeah. With some of our loans that would adjust, we have other assets that perform really well that have low debt, things like that on it, that can, that can help offset some of these higher rates. But some of the mom and pa's out there that mainly have one or two rentals or a handful or one big apartment, and all of a sudden their loan is getting ready to adjust, they don't have other assets to help offset that. And then those are the guys that are gonna be in a position to, to be forced to sell.